And Jesus said to his disciples, Temptations to sin are sure to come, but woe to the one through whom they come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were cast into the sea than that he should cause one of these little ones to sin. Pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. And the Lord said, if you had faith like a grain of mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea and it would obey you. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God abides forever. Amen. Please be seated. Let's pray. Dear Lord, open our eyes, open our ears, help us to see the glories in your word. Help us to come to the foot of the cross to depend upon the Lord who gives us all the strength we need. We pray this in his name. Amen. I'll never forget what someone said one time when I invited them to come to church. I said, hey, come visit my church sometime. And, and the response was this, I'll come to church when Christians start to take sin seriously. How would you respond to that? I mean, I heard that. I, I, at first I thought, oh, this is, this is a cop-out. You know, this... Look at, look at all the sin in the world around you, you know? And, that, and that's your excuse. You're, you're not going to come to church until people start to take sin seriously. But then I started to wonder, how is this person hurt by sin in the church? What did they see? What kind of scandals were they exposed to in the life of the church? What kind of fighting and bickering and hypocrisy did they meet? We hear about these scandals way too frequently happening amongst Christians, even among, in, in, in the midst of churches. Sin that creeps in and takes over a community that blinds people to the disease that, that's spreading around them. Cover-ups that hide people in authority. Silence when sin is breaking out. A failure to take sin seriously. And so, I do think that Jesus wants us to hear the words of that man and to take sin seriously. He wants us to be a community that is very different from whatever that man had in his mind or whatever he met. And we know that because Jesus has actually been talking to us in the book of Luke about people who are prone to scandals. Religious authorities that are prone to spread sin and to cover it up, to keep it hidden. I'm talking about the Pharisees. What do we see with the Pharisees? We see scandal after scandal, and they treat it like it's nothing. They love money. They love their self-righteousness. They love to keep people out of the church and to talk about those sinners. What a scandal. And yet all the while, they're benefiting from their prideful posture and their prideful position. And Jesus says, the Pharisees don't take sin seriously. 
But you must. You must. You've got to look at disobedience from God. You've got to look at when you're straying away from the, the road, the right road. And you've got to correct it before the entire church falls into that. And so Jesus this morning does call us to be a community that looks radically different from the world and radically different from those churches that have fallen into scandal. He calls First Street, even from these early years as a budding congregation, to be a church that that confronts sin. And we do that because we know the power of faith. That's what I want us to see. I want us to see the seriousness of sin and then the power of faith. Jesus gives us hard words in this passage about the seriousness of sin. Look at what he says. First of all, he says, watch out for your own sin. You want to point your finger at those around you? First, start with yourself. Make sure that your life and your example aren't leading people away from the Lord. He says, temptations to sin are sure to come. They are inevitable. But don't be one of those people through who they come. Temptations to sin are going to be there. People are going to stumble. But make sure you're not one of the people who through your behavior in your life causes others to fall. You know, we we like to think of uh, sin, disobedience to God, kind of like a private thing, right? that's, That's between me and God. My sin is my business. And sure, maybe the pastor, if the pastor sees something, he could talk to me about it. Maybe I'll be open to hearing about it. But, but really, just, just let me deal with my own sin on my own terms. But, but there's something missing in that way of thinking. And here's what it is. Disobedience to God, sin, it's infectious. It spreads. It permeates a community. It duplicates. It multiplies like a virus. Just think of Adam in the Garden of Eden. He personally disobeys God by eating that forbidden fruit. And then, and then what's the next thing that happens? That personal sin leads all mankind into sin and misery. Or think about Jeroboam, that king of Israel. What did he do? He set up idols to worship in the northern kingdom. And over and over again, we hear something in the book of Kings. It's that that personal sin ruined the entire community. It says, King Jeroboam caused Israel to sin. He made Israel to sin, the sin with which he sinned, over and over and over and over again in the book of First and Second Kings, until Israel's led away in exile as punishment. What starts as a sin with one man spreads to the whole community. So here's the point. Your sin isn't just a personal problem. You are an influencer to disciples around you. And Jesus says, make sure that your life isn't tripping others up. You ever heard of the the budding career today? Social media influencer? It's actually really popular. They make a lot of money. I looked into this. It's kind of incredible. People get in front of a camera and they, they wear certain clothes or um, you know, they, they show off certain items and they're paid big bucks to do this and then everyone watches them and they start to copy them. And 
Then suddenly everyone's starting to wear the same clothes and the same brands and they start to do the same things. And and this social media influencer has power. That's how we should think about sin. That's how we should think about our own place in the community. We should see ourselves, all of us who have taken vows to the church, all of us who are disciples, we got to see ourselves as church influencers. And it's very possible, Jesus says, to trip up others. This is so serious to Jesus it's that it is a dead serious matter. Look at what he, he goes on to say. He says that if you go on to disregard his words, just ignore what he's saying, if you put stumbling blocks in front of other people, then it would be better for you if a millstone were hung around your neck and you were tossed into the sea. Whoa. What's a millstone? It's this huge stone that, you know, people alone couldn't, couldn't turn. They had to hook animals up to this massive stone to turn it. So imagine if that were, were tied with a rope around your neck, tossed into the sea, you'd go sinking down really fast. And Jesus says, there's something worse than that. What could be more gruesome than a death like that? Well, how about standing before God on judgment day and saying, yes, Lord, my living caused your little ones, the vulnerable people in the church to stumble. My selfish lifestyle led your precious people down roads towards destruction. Now that's serious. We need to take that seriously. We need to really let this question, this seriousness of sin land on our, on our hearts. Are you causing people to sin with the way that you live? Because church leaders especially need to take this seriously. If there's one thing that the Ravi Zacharias scandal has taught us recently, it's that people watch leaders. They listen to church leaders. I learned this the first you know, when I was ordained back in November, then I saw some of you pulling out notebooks to write down what I was saying during the service. And I thought, whoa, this just got real. What I'm saying, you're, you're actually listening to me. There's a weight to it. That's scary. And it should be scary because what are you going to hear when you listen to me? Are you going to hear me and Brad and Andrew excusing sin? Are you going to hear us encourage you making light of, of lifestyles that, could, that, that the word of God says are sinful? Or are you going to hear us holding you accountable from the pulpit and in our practice? What are you going to see when you watch us outside of Sunday service? When you, when you see me, you know, maybe you, see, you, you happen to see me, I'm not noticing you, and I'm, I'm, I'm downtown with, with Natalie grabbing a bite to eat. What are you going to see me doing? What, are you going, what kind of words are you going to hear me saying? Because you're going to see that, you're going to hear that, and you're going to learn from it. There's a seriousness to that. And, and those of you who are, are here and, and might soon become leaders within our church, let that sink in. We need to be careful that our leaders are not causing the little flock First Street Form Fellowship to stumble. Well, how about parents? Do 
you have little ones under your care? Yeah. Your kids. And, and you need, for that reason, to watch yourselves as these children who the Lord calls his own. They're watching you. They're listening to you. I learned this recently too when, you know, uh, Natalie and I were looking at Frazier and we, we started, you know, shaking our, we were shaking our head at something and then he starts shaking his head back. You know, many of you who have kids know this. They copy you. They mimic you. That's scary. Because what are they going to say when they hear you, when they hear you disrespecting other people with your words? What are they going to see when they watch you throwing, you know, a temper tantrum? They're going to see and they're going to hear things that they are going to start to do. And the Lord says, don't cause these little ones to sin. Deal with this sin now before it spreads to others. You know, there's, there's a line in a, um, a musical called Into the Woods. I, I, I like this line. It says, careful the words you say, children will listen. Careful the things you do. Children are watching and they learn. So we need to watch ourselves, parents. And everyone, this is really for you too, because we need to watch ourselves. The actions we do, the things that we say are going to rub off on the community. I say this every time someone becomes a member of the church. I say, you need to not only pray for this person who's becoming a member, but you need to realize that your very actions affect them. Now that is scary and that is heavy. But guess what? That is, that is a beautiful responsibility. Because imagine what it could look like if it's used in the right way. Well, listen to Romans 14, 13. Because Paul reiterates this, this, this warning, this, this command to watch ourselves. He says, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. So that's very heavy, but Jesus goes on. He says, you need to watch yourselves. But there's something even harder than that as you're taking sin seriously. You need to warn other people of their sin say, wait a minute. You not only want me to worry about myself, you want me to approach a brother or sister in Christ when I see them going down the wrong road? Yeah. What do you do when a fellow believer trashes your reputation and spreads gossip about you? What do you do when a brother in Christ drinks too much and then acts shamefully towards you? What do you do when a sister in Christ uses her words like a weapon to wound you and those words cut deep. Usually we see two things happen. One, the easiest thing to do is just to ignore it, right? Say, look, that really hurt. I don't want to revisit that. I, I just, I, I don't even want to go there. Or sometimes something maybe even easier than that is we talk about it with other people. You know, person A was hurt by person B, but they go to person C, and then person C talks to person D. And, you know, in the meantime, person D has talked to person F and it's all over the place, right? That's how sin spreads in the church. That's how bitterness takes root. And you know what? Jesus says you need to do something hard. When you've been sinned against, you need to do the hardest, hardest thing of all. You need to approach that person. That's Matthew 18, right? 
You go to the person that has sinned against you. You have that difficult conversation. That conversation that, by the way, is going to confront your people pleasing. If you're a per- people pleaser like me, it's going to be one. You're going to be sweating. It's going to be really hard. Your hands are going to be clammy, and you're going to be telling someone, "You hurt me. You hurt me." And by the way, you need to repent. You need to turn to God. And here's the amazing thing: if we if we listen. If we warn people, if we go to the the wandering sheep with the tender mercy of Jesus, we might just see them turn. We might just stop them from setting off a, a whole avalanche of sin upon the community around them. They might just confess their sins. They might just turn away from their evil way in repentance. Listen to how Dietrich Bonhoeffer puts it. I'm quoting a Lutheran because I've got good Lutheran friends here and I was raised a Lutheran. Listen to what a Lutheran theologian says about this. Nothing can be more cruel than the leniency which abandons others to their sin. Nothing can be more compassionate than the severe reprimand which calls another Christian in one's community back from the path of sin. Friends, are you avoiding talking to someone about their sin? Are you putting it off? Are you talking to other people about the sin that someone sinned against you? You you need to stop that. And Jesus says, here's how you put an end to sin in the community. You approach that person. If that person is, is abusive, if you don't feel comfortable, you don't feel safe talking to that person, you need, you need to take someone else with you to talk to them. And then Jesus tells us to deal with sin in the hardest way of all. You ready? You ready for, this is how serious Jesus takes sin. He says, you watch out for yourselves. You warn others when you see their sin. And then when that person repents, you forgive freely. Costly forgiveness. I'll let go. I'll let go. Even when I've been hurt bad, I'll let go of that bitterness I have towards you. I'll let go of that pride that I'm holding on to. I'll let go of my anger that I have because you hurt me. I'll let go of all that because God in Christ forgave me. You see how hard that is? It's the hardest thing of all. But friends, it gets even harder because Jesus says, you have to do this over and over and over and over again. He says, seven times a day. You know, the rabbis thought that they were really clever because in Jesus' day, they said, if someone comes to you three times a day and they ask for repentance, then you forgive them. But you know what Jesus says? I'll one-up that. Seven times a day. Imagine that. Someone just keeps coming back to you and then... Right after they, they, they ask for forgiveness and you give them that forgiveness, they hurt you again. And you say, yeah, okay, I'll forgive you again. And then they do it again. And then he asks for forgiveness and it happens again and again and again. And Jesus doesn't just stop at seven times because in another gospel, he says 77 times seven. Basically, you don't have a stopping point with your forgiveness. That's hard. And sooner or later, you're going to have to answer the hardest question of all. Can I forgive the person who's caused me the most harm? Who's the the person who's caused you the most harm in this life? 
Perhaps they're even a Christian. Can you embrace the abuser? Can you embrace, embrace the betrayer? Because sin isn't dealt with until it meets forgiveness. Listen to that. You can watch out for your own sin. You can warn people of their sin. But sin is still going to spread in the community of faith unless it meets that, that beautiful, winsome forgiveness comes from Jesus. Now, how on earth can I do all of this? How's it possible? Where am I going to find the ability to watch out for my, my own sin? How am I going to find the courage and compassion to confront other people about their sin? How can I possibly have the strength to forgive people over and over and over when they're sinning against me? That's heavy. And that's why the apostles help us out in verse 5 with these words, Lord, increase our faith. Isn't that so appropriate? Sometimes the apostles really miss it. But here, they've got the right idea. We need faith. You need trust in God, deep dependence upon God to do any of this, to take any of this seriously. But notice how Jesus responds because I think he's actually gently pushing the apostles in an even better direction. He says something very interestingly. Interesting. If you had faith like a grain of mustard seed, you would say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Now, what is Jesus saying? Is he saying, as disciples of his, we're supposed to go down to the river and start chucking mulberry trees into the, the, the river downtown. And, you know, we all just become Christian landscapers. Faith can chuck mulberry trees into the sea. No, he's giving us this picture of the kind of faith that, yes, the apostles ought to have. And what is the picture? It is the picture of a tree with deep, deep roots in the ground. The rabbis at the time of Jesus said that a mulberry tree had roots that would keep it living for 600 years rooted in the ground. And so imagine how difficult it would be to then, you know, think, okay, mulberry tree, go into the sea. And it just suddenly is uprooted. It's impossible. This is something that only God alone can do. And that's the very point. Jesus is saying, you need, yes, by yourself, you cannot uproot the, 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 those deep roots of bitterness that keep you from forgiving your brother. On your own strength, you do not have the power to turn from sin and be a, a good influence in your community. But if you have even the smallest shred of faith, even faith the size of a tiny little mustard seed, the, the tiniest seed there was visible at the time, Jesus says, you, you put that faith towards a great God and all of this is possible. Now, where would we find faith like that? We find it in our Savior, the very one who speaks to us in this passage. Because your sinless Savior 
resisted temptation all the way to the cross. Every step of the way to Jerusalem, he guarded his influence. He kept his feet from stumbling. And he did that so that little ones like us wouldn't stumble into sin, but would know his grace. And then your savior didn't stop there. He confronted your sin on the cross. You ever think about that? That Jesus just could have left you to spread sin to others? He just could have left you under, under God's judgment and wrath. But you know what he did? He did the hard thing. He confronted your sin on the cross. He confronted it in such a way that he did something even harder. He forgave you. He forgave your sin. On the cross, that innocent Savior was betrayed and crucified and abandoned. And here he is on the cross experiencing betrayal and injustice and abandonment. And what is, how did he, and, and how did he respond? He said, Father, forgive them. Forgive them. He forgave his abusers. He forgave his betrayers. He forgave us. And friends, Jesus did the impossible. And now as you fix your eyes of faith On that Savior, he gives you the power to do the impossible. He gives us the power to be a church that does not fall into scandal, that is not a stumbling block to the little ones, but rather is a a powerful influence of the love and grace and the power of faith. Let's go to that Savior in prayer. Heavenly Father, Increase our faith. But Lord, take the faith that we do have, even faith as small as a mustard seed, even struggling faith. And Lord, direct that faith to the Son of God, the one who took upon flesh to do everything necessary to purify us and to purify our community. Lord, keep us from sin. Give us the power of faith, we pray. In Christ's name, amen.